1: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 95th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast.
0: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind.
1: I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today's show is about Griffith Park, which was suggested to us by our History Ghost Bump research crew member, Leanna Sapien, and she also helped us out with the research on this one. So thank you, Leanna, for that. This is a place that most people are familiar with here in America. If
0: you are familiar with the Hollywood sign. Absolutely, which I think is one of our landmarks that most people recognize in California. So exactly. Before we do that, we want to
1: point you in the direction of our website, historygobump dot com. Denise, if people would like to send us an email, where can they do that?
0: They're going to do that at historygobump at gmail dot com.
1: And we have some people to welcome into the spectacular crew. Welcome to Ken. Hey Ken. Becca. Hi Becca. Rhonda without an H. Hey Rhonda without an H. gian Hi GN And Emily. And Emily. We also would like to announce that we have added a couple of administrators to the Spooktacular Crew page, Josh and Heather, who've been so good about, they're basically our unofficial welcoming wagon.
0: Our welcome wagon, yeah. So thank you so much, Josh and Heather, being right there to welcome our new members. So
1: So we thought we'd give them some title and power, and Josh says, does this mean we can ban people we don't like personally?
0: (laughs) No, Josh, you have to keep me on board. That's right. You'd be the first one to go. (laughs) He'd be like, you're out of here for not using that feng shui word.
1: We got a couple of comments over on the website. This one is from Lucy. Hello. I am from Solihull. I'm, I'm not sure how exactly I say that in the UK and only discovered your podcast yesterday. I've already listened to several of them. Really enjoyable. Thank you for your work and passion. I love your really interesting blend of history, true crime, and hauntings without any of the silliness you so often find in other ghost-related podcasts. It's really great to have found you, and I will be working my way through the back catalog. My favorite so far has been Lizzie Borden. And then she wanted to see the video from our Haunted Disneyland episode. And so to let everybody else know this, if you're looking for our blog, which has all of the show notes, you just click on the blog link on the website at historyghostbump.com, and that will send you right over to the blog where all the show notes are at. And then Megan wrote on the website, I just discovered your podcast and I'm enjoying it so much. I love history and I love ghost stories, even though I don't believe in ghosts. I generally listen to podcasts during my morning runs, but I am unable to listen to yours at that time because unfortunately it spooks me. It's dark out when I run. I had to turn off the Marilyn Monroe one and that one wasn't even that scary. Looks like I'm going to have to save your creepy podcast for the car. Thanks, ladies. I'm loving this new podcast discovery. So, of course, I had to respond because when somebody tells me, even though I don't believe in ghosts, yet we're spooking them out and they can't listen to our show, I had to say, well, thanks for listening, Megan. Now, if you don't believe in ghosts, what is there to be afraid of? (laughs) Be creeped by. And then I told her happy running. She said back to me, that is exactly what doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) So maybe we're going to make a true believer out of her yet, or as we are, open-minded skeptics. We did get one new review over at iTunes, Denise, and it looked to me like somebody changed a five star to a one star just based on the, the count there. Uh, apparently, we have too much meaningless chatter because we're reading Facebook stuff and our reviews, which is basically, I guess, saying that our listeners are meaningless chatter.
0: No, they're not. They're awesome. <laughs> I
1: agree. So, phooey on you. All right, Denise, are you ready to go take a little stroll through a park that has a few more things than just bushes and trees and nice little wildlife? I guess so. All right, everybody, grab your flashlight as we take you through the history and hauntings of Griffith Park. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com.
0: Welcome to this moment in Oddity History. The Chumash Native Americans speak of the legend of the Dark Watchers. These creatures even made their way into the cave drawings of the Chumash. The Dark Watchers are seen in the Santa Lucia Mountains that stretch from Avila Beach through San Luis Obispo and all the way to Monterey in California. People claim that they appear to be giant human shaped phantoms and they are most commonly seen at twilight. The Dark Watchers usually appear to be staring off and unaware of anyone being near them and as night falls and darkness creeps in, they simply disappear as if swallowed by the inky blackness. John Steinbeck wrote of them in a short story, Flight, quote, Pepe looked to the top of the next dry withered ridge. He saw a dark form against the sky, a man's figure standing on top of a rock. And he glanced away quickly, not to appear curious. When a moment later he looked up again, the figure was gone, end quote. Some people have described the dark watchers as wearing hats and capes. Are these just dark watcher spirits? demons or something else we may never know but they certainly are creepy and odd
1: welcome we have been expecting you (laughs) this day in history And today's This Day in History is by Stephen Pappas. On this day, January 8th in 1946, Elvis Presley is given his first guitar. Elvis said his mother rarely let him out of her sight and was hesitant to buy something like a bicycle or a rifle. So when he was 11 years old, his mother Gladys took him to a hardware store and bought him a guitar for $6.95. Elvis viewed this as just one of a few steps during his childhood towards a musical upbringing, but the rest of us know how important it was to put that guitar in his hands. Elvis would go on to set the world on fire. He remains the highest-grossing individual musician in history with an estimated 600 million units sold. His 10 number one albums spent a combined 90-plus weeks at number one on the charts. He had 18 number one songs, starred in 31 feature films, won three Grammys, and it all began with one woman, putting a guitar into the hands of the man who would be, and remains, the king of rock and roll.
0: The History Goes Bump Podcast. The Santa Monica Mountains are one of the most visited natural areas in California, and Griffith Park is a favorite location. The most familiar attribute of the park is the famous Hollywood sign. The park has been the scene to more than just fun outdoor activities. There is a belief that a curse is tied to the land here, And that is why Griffith Park has been tied to urban legends, deaths, and hauntings. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Griffith Park. The Santa Monica Mountains parallel the Pacific Ocean along the coast of Southern
1: California. The mountain range stretches from Point Mugu in Ventura County to the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles. This was home to the Chumash and Tongva Native American tribes. They lived here for 8,000 years, and then the Spanish arrived and their numbers dwindled. The Santa Monica Mountains today are home to Griffith Park. This park is the largest municipal park with urban wilderness area in the United States, and it stretches over 4,200 acres. That is huge.
0: That is really
1: big. Adults and children come to the park for camping, biking, horseback riding, interaction with animals, and the chance to climb aboard a steam train. The adventurous types can hike along the mountain and get a closer look at the iconic Hollywood sign, And scientific minds can visit the Griffith Observatory and take in the Los Angeles skyline. There also happens to be an old zoo
0: there as well. Well, you know, I've been below that whole area and looked up at it, but I never realized there was that much to do there. So I'm going to have to change the way I look at it next time I go. I'd like to go up to Griffith Park.
1: I'd seen a special on the Hollywood sign being haunted. I guess I never realized that it was part of a park. And that there was this big area that people like to
0: hike through and go through. I guess it just never occurred to me. I just thought it was a big sign up on the hill. Exactly. I, I really didn't realize it was part of the park until we did this. Don Antonio Feliz was a rancher who had inherited the property that would later become Griffith Park from his mother, Maria Verdugo de Feliz. He shared the ranch with his sister, Soledad, and his niece, Doña Petronia, who was blind according to some accounts. Petronia had been orphaned by Feliz's brother, so Feliz took her in. The ranch was named Rancho Los Feliz. In 1863, smallpox swept through and Don Antonio Feliz came down with the dreaded disease. Petronia was sent to the Pueblo to prevent her from becoming sick. While on his deathbed, Feliz was visited by a friend named Don Antonio Coronel. The so-called friend coveted the ranch and he coerced Feliz into signing a will that left his extensive land holdings to Coronel and a few modest jewelry pieces to his sister Soledad. Feliz died and his niece returned to find Coronel in charge of the property. She had been left nothing. She was enraged and she cursed the land that a great misfortune would befall whomever owned the land of Rancho Los Feliz, and that included Coronel.
1: And this fight over the land went on between the Felice family and Coronel all the way to the Supreme Court. So this is something that really did occur. Some of the details that we're going to tell you about here it's part of legend, not necessarily historically accurate. So we are going to give you some of the historically accurate parts of it. Nonetheless, there does seem to be something wrong with the land here, whether this is really what happened or not.
0: It's kind of funny that you always have the Hatfield and McCoys. They just show up in different shapes and forms, right? And you got
1: to wonder about this guy. Can you imagine showing up when somebody's on their deathbed? And getting them, you know, he probably wasn't even really conscious, just enough to sign something. And he probably told him it was something completely different. I just need you to sign this form for, I don't know. I'm sure he didn't tell him this is your will and I just wrote myself into it. It's amazing what they could do, but of course this was back in the
0: 1800s, so... And that's something that's not that uncommon for people. I mean, now it is because you have to be in sound mind and thought before you sign legal papers. But they stole birthrights and all sorts of stuff all the time.
1: Well, and I think I did read somewhere that Coronel was the family lawyer. So maybe there was a sense of trust there and didn't realize exactly what this was. I So, of course, we have Petronia comes here and finds out that she's been left nothing, that this guy has come in and taken from their family, this land, and the ranch. So then something bizarre occurred. Petronia, who was only in her 20s, dropped dead after she had placed the curse on the land. At least that's what the legend claims. Historical documents indicate that she... Married, had a son, and died 34 years later after supposedly she put the curse on the land. So I don't know where they got the drop dead. Somebody must have added that for a little bit of make it more eerie or creepy or whatever. it, It adds that theatrical drama. An exclamation mark on the end of the curse. But the curse does seem to be very real. Don Coronel didn't believe the curse until his family members started dropping like flies in very violent ways. Coronel became a believer and he sold the land before he himself was caught up in any more misfortune. The next owner had cattle and a dairy farm. The cattle sickened and the property flooded and the owner was heavily in debt. Fire swept through the timberline as well. This owner decided to sell what did seem to be cursed property. And the property was then purchased by Colonel Griffith J. Griffith in 1882. And his parents, that must have been a joke. <laughs> Let's name him Griffith J. Griffith.
0: <laughs> Give him the same first name It does actually sound name. kind of cool with the, the middle initial to break it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Griffith Griffith would sound like you were, you know, stuttering. But Griffith J. Griffith kind of does sound cool.
1: Yeah, so maybe it was a coincidence that uh, Don Coronel's family just started dropping like flies. And, of course, we know in California, fires in the mountains hello, happens all the
0: time, so may not be related to a curse. The colonel made his money in coal mining and started an ostrich ranch on the property. Though ostrich feathers were popular in fashions at the time, Griffith's primary interest in the farm was to draw people to his nearby property holdings. He was a notorious land baron and hoped to lay out the land in suburban tracts. Then in a sudden turn of events, Griffith donated the land to create a park named for himself in 1896. People wondered what would make a man poised to make a lot of money in development to all of a sudden donate the land. Rumors of the curse really fired up at this time, and a party celebrating the transfer of the land would lead to claims of more than just a curse. This place appeared to be haunted. Major Horace Bell
1: was a frontier writer and newspaper man who was known for embellishment. He founded the Porcupine in Los Angeles, which was a paper dedicated to social commentary. I don't think it was an accident that he named it the porcupine because he liked to go after the rich and the status people and tell different rumors and things about them in his paper. It was kind of one of those tabloid type... Basically, it was a tabloid, I think. And so it was meant to stick those people like a porcupine. He popularized the story about the Felice curse, and he related that Griffith seemed to be tormented by visits from the spirit of Don Antonio Felice and demons. And it should be noted that Bell and Griffith were not friendly with each other. They were rivals, so... Again, this might be why we have a little bit of embellishment going on. He wrote that at the party where the city's influential people had gathered in Griffith Park to celebrate the transfer of the land from Griffith to the city, that the ghost of Felice took a seat, usually reserved for Griffith, and proclaimed, quote, I come to invite you to dine with me in hell. In your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons, end quote. The lights went out, and a cacophony of gongs and cymbals filled the room. All of the guests fled before the demons would have arrived. That's a hell of an embellishment if it didn't
0: actually happen. I know because there'd be so many people that could go out and say, what is he talking about?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Especially if you're printing that somewhere, they'd be like, I was at that party. Nothing
0: happened. Huh? So it does make you wonder, did something happen? The curse did seem to attach to more than just the land in the case of the colonel though. It was either that or the alcohol. In 1903, he had accused his wife of conspiring with the Pope to poison him so he shot her. He didn't kill her, but he did blind her in one eye and disfigured her face. He was sentenced to two years in San Quentin for the attack. Despite his grand donation of the Griffith Park land, when he was released from jail, he was damaged goods and rejected by society. He died in 1919 from liver disease and only a handful of people attended his funeral.
1: Now, I know that some paranoid people can get into this thought that My spouse is trying to kill me, trying to poison me. I'm just wondering where he came up with the Pope as helping her to do this. (laughs) I didn't know that the Pope had time to go around planning poisonings of people. Maybe he was going for an insanity plea. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? The park has been in the hands of the government since the time of the colonel, but it seems to be sharing control with supernatural forces as well. There is no shortage of haunting experiences and other high strangeness in this park. Despite the fact that Petronia died in her son's home decades after she supposedly cursed the land, there are claims that her apparition is active. The spirit is described as a young woman in a white dress, there's our lady in white, sometimes riding a white horse. At midnight, she is reportedly often seen in an adobe house watching from the adobe's windows on dark and rainy nights. Her uncle Don Felice's ghost is reportedly still seen wandering his former ranch land on horseback, and I've heard that he likes to cackle at people from atop a big boulder. That would really freak me out. Yeah. The ghost of Griffith J. Griffith has often been spotted also on horseback checking on the upkeep of the land.
0: Actress Peg Entwistle is a tragic figure. She was born Millicent Lillian Entwistle on July 1st, 1908 in Port Talbot, Wales. Loss came early for her when her mother died when she was a child. She and her father moved to New York after that, and her father remarried. Then her father was killed when he was run over by a car on Park Avenue. Her younger brothers went to live with an uncle, but Peg decided she wanted to be an actress, and she stayed in New York. She made her stage debut with the Boston Repertory Company at 17, and then she moved on to working on Broadway with the prestigious Theater Guild Productions. She was unhappily married to a man that was a deadbeat dad to a child from a previous marriage, and they ended up divorcing when she found out. Stage work started to dry up, so she decided to head to Hollywood. She was signed by RKO, but she went absolutely nowhere, and depression set in. Yeah, so she was
1: very successful on in the theater, But when it came to movies, not so much. And this happened to a lot of actors and actresses during that time period, transitioning from silent films to regular films, transitioning from the theater to films. It just didn't work as well as nowadays we tend to see a lot more Hollywood stars transitioning to theater kind of to prove that they really can act. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com audio. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On September 18th in 1932, Peg had been drinking and she was in the grip of depression. She told her uncle, who she was living with at the time, that she was going to walk up to a drugstore to meet friends. But instead, she crawled her way up to the Hollywoodland sign. And of course, at that time, that's what it was called, Hollywoodland. She took off her coat, folded it neatly, placing it on the ground along with her purse. She climbed the ladder up to the top of the letter H and jumped to her death. People say it was like a swan dive, although nobody witnessed it. So, But I think people have gotten that idea from residual things that they've been seeing. She was 24 years old. Oh jeez! People staring at the sign after dark have reported seeing a young woman jumping from the letter H, and that they hear her scream on the way down, vanishing before hitting the ground. Other sightings include those of a woman matching her description and period clothes wandering the park's trails, as well as walking up the path between the sign and her former residence. The smell of gardenia, her perfume scent of choice, has been reported to linger near where her apparition is seen.
0: On Halloween night in 1976, 22-year-old musician Rand Garrett and aspiring actress Nancy Jensen, 20, were having sex on a picnic bench near Mount Hollywood Drive when they were crushed by a falling tree. The lovers had been childhood sweethearts, and the distraught families spread their ashes around the picnic table. A group of workers that were hired to clear the tree fell sick or were injured before they could finish the job, including a supervisor who was found dead of an apparent heart attack at the scene. His chainsaw was bent and his hair turned white. Sightings of a ghostly couple in the area persist and people familiar with the tale make pilgrimages to the site in hopes of witnessing paranormal activity. The picnic table and tree still reside in the same spot.
1: The LA Times reported the following. People thought I was damn crazy, says retired city tree trimmer Morris Carl, when he tried to explain what happened to him a few days after authorization had been given to clear the fallen tree and he was tapped for the duty. I drove up there with a job to do and I aimed to do it. What I didn't figure on was getting scared out of my wits. Carl is quick to add that up to that day, he never gave much thought to whether ghosts were real. But from that point on, I certainly don't give any thought that they aren't, he says. According to the incident report he filed with the supervisor later that evening, Carl arrived at the site at 11.40 a.m. on November 7th. He was to be joined by two other Bureau of Street Services tree division workers with a large truck and loader to remove the material later in the afternoon. But until then, he was charged with sawing up the branches and trunk of the large sycamore tree into more manageable pieces. Only a few minutes into it, he wrote that he was overcome with a strange sensation. In my statement, I said that I felt funny. What happened was I'd sawed off the crown of the tree when from out of nowhere, I got hit with these real strong chills so hard it was as if I was coming down with the fastest flu ever. I tried to shake it off and get back to work, but each time I'd fire up the saw and get near the tree, I'd get real cold and hear this weird moaning and crying. So I'd stop the saw and listen and it would go away. But then I'd start her up again and it would come back. Finally, I was freezing so bad, I had to go to the truck and get my coat. Now, this is November in California. It can
0: get kind of chilly there. Yes, it can, but not quite that kind of chilly. That's when Carl wrote that the fallen tree started shaking violently. I set down the saw on the picnic table and headed over to the truck, and that's when I heard it start shaking from behind me. The tree just went crazy, not just lightly shaking, but bouncing up and down as if someone were picking it up and dropping it. It landed repeatedly on the table with such force as to knock the heavy power saw off the table to the ground. As soon as that happened, he wrote in the report, the tree stopped moving. But then the moaning started up again, accompanied by a warning from an ominous voice that Carl says sounded as if someone were sitting right there in the cab with him and whispering into his ear. It told me to leave us alone very insistently, Carl says. So I tried, but the engine wouldn't turn over. Next thing is this rubbing sound along the windshield and letters are being written across the fogged up glass. First there's an N and then an E and the first word is next. Then there's a T and an I and that ends up being time. Then a Y and an O and a U. The last word was die. So that would be next time you die. I would not only be wetting my pants, I would be out of there, which is what Carl did says, man, but did that truck engine finally fire up right then? And I burned rubber, Carl says. Left the saw right there on the ground in broad daylight and just got the hell out. I still get chills. And no, there never was a next time. I never went back. Who could blame him?
1: I mean, first of all, you'd be sitting there thinking, is that tree alive? And moaning and crying because I'm cutting it. And then, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. That is the thing that adds to this is this is some guy who doesn't believe in ghosts. That's just some worker sent to go cut up this tree that has killed these two people. And that happens. He's not going to make that up.
0: No, and I that would completely, I don't even have words, that would just be so incredibly frightening. I have chills just thinking about it, especially
1: if it's saying next time you die, okay, I'm not coming back. Thank God we live really far on the other side of the United States from that tree. And I do want to point out that we did say a little bit back there that, the supervisor, died at the scene. This was after this. His hair had turned white, his saw was bent, and he was dead. So I don't know if they made good on this warning or what. But that, I mean, how, how do you explain that too? This is one of the most bizarre things that I've ever heard at mm. a place that's supposedly haunted where, you know, because generally speaking, people don't get attacked in horribly vicious ways. It's mostly just you have a weird unexplained thing happen. But this is, did they kill that man? I, Scare him I don't to death? know. That's the only thing I know that'll turn somebody's hair white is being scared to death. And I don't know
0: what can bend a chainsaw back the blade. I mean, that <laughs> sounds almost demonic more than it more make you than wonder. ghostly, more than a haunting.
1: And that's not even the strangest story that comes out of this place. One of the stranger stories to come out of Griffith Park is a story about some kind of creature that is described to be similar to a werewolf. Some claim it is one of those demons promised by Don Felice. The story's been around for decades. In October of 2005, three men allegedly retreated from a late-night excursion into the park after an encounter with a beast that had green skin and red hair. Never heard of anything like that. The men visited a friend immediately after their experience, and to prove they weren't making the story up, she had each of them draw the creature separately. With minor variations, the men's sketches all matched. The monster's legs were very long, as were its feet, and they claimed it was taking huge strides as it made its way down the street. Its back was bent backwards and its neck was very long and bent forward in a way that no human could be bent. I mean, if you're going to make up a story about a creature, you wouldn't normally make that detail part of it. Right. More recently, an 11-year-old boy named Jack said that on a 2009 visit, he was chased by an unusually large coyote. Reaching the top of a hill, he saw another kid around his age and warned him about the coyote. I'm quite glad you warned me, the kid told Jack, then handed him an old firecracker. Here, take this. It's good luck. The kid then ran through some bushes onto a small path. Fearing the coyote, Jack tried to follow him, but never caught up and never saw the kid or the coyote again. So this kid, I don't think was human either or in real body because I wouldn't think you'd normally have a young kid wandering around these paths by himself and carrying an old firecracker. Right.
0: This Yeah, Griffith Park seems something else. It seems like it has cryptozoology, mm-hmm. hauntings, mm-hmm. demonic activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like, got it all. And a curse. And Paul a Griffith. curse. It's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, so did I say at the beginning I'd like to go to Griffith Park? You did. Yeah, maybe we won't be taking our camper there after <laughs> all. <laughs> no camping there, eh? Did Horace Bell embellish the story of the Felice Curse? We know that some of his facts are not backed up by history. But the misfortune surrounding ownership of the land is very real. And there are many witnesses who have experienced strange things here. Is there a curse? Do demonic entities roam about the park? Is Griffith Park haunted? That is for you to decide. And we do have a link in the show notes for a haunted hayride that they do at the
1: Griffith Park Old Zoo in October. So I think all month long they run this haunted hayride.
0: So if any of you out in California want to go on the Haunted Hayride and um, contact us and let us know how it went, that would be cool.
1: Well, Leanna, you suggested this location, so hey, tag, you're <laughs> it. <laughs> we want to hear about that Haunted Hayride. We do have listener favorite joining us for our next episode. Freya Porter is going to be joining us. We're going to do the Oyster Mouth Castle, and it's not going to be from Australia. It's going to be from over in the UK because she's on holiday.
0: Yes, she's on holiday across
1: the pond. she I'm telling you, she's our international correspondent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) International
1: correspondent, Freya. (laughs) At any rate, we're making her famous, so there you go. (laughs) We do want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye executive producers of this episode have been Dave and Ann, Melissa, Levi, Nicole, Jade, Sharon, Cricket, April, Katie, Stephen, Heather, Amy, Panya, Leanna, Laura, Seth, Tracy, Josh, Barbara, Ashley, Griffin, David, Wendy, Roger, Jenny Lee, Dan, Janice, John, Liz, Lana, John, Stewart, Laura, Homeworks, and brand new executive producer, Kelsey. Thank
0: you. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Ninth Story Podcast,
1: Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift,
0: History Goes Bump, Listen, The M Writing Podcast. Society 13. Rebuilding society. One podcast at a time.
1: Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite
0: podcast catcher. We would greatly appreciate your review at iTunes as well to help the show grow. Thank you.